the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman, and Jim Chesco. It's Wednesday, August 12th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable 300 show brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Flyers start their run for the Stanley Cup tonight. The Sixers are in injury shambles. I don't know what's going on there. For me, college football looks like it's going to be canceled. It's just a killer, as you know. And, well, there's the Phillies bullpen, and that's just atrocious. And By the way, happy 300th show to you. It's quite a milestone that I know you and I are both very proud of. Heck yeah. All right. The Sixers and Phillies, Bill, they've been driving me crazy lately. I'm, I may go all Ricky Bo on the fans tonight uh, on the <laughs> Phillies before this show is over because I can't take it anymore. But let's focus on the positives. The Flyers are getting it going with some real playoff action later this evening. And yes, this is show number 300 for us, Bill. Six and a quarter years. We did it, though. 300 shows. Who would have thunk it? We'll talk about this crazy journey later in the show. We sure will, but uh, we got a couple of great guests tonight to try to sort out this whole thing. Former Phillies broadcaster Chris Wheeler will be joining us. Penn Live sports columnist David Jones will be making his first visit to Philly Press Box Radio. Yeah, and uh, you know, we love when Wheels joins us. We certainly have plenty to talk to him about regarding the bumbling, stumbling Phillies. And uh, we really look forward to having Dave on for the first time. He's going to be talking with us about what's happening and what's not happening with college football and about the great piece that he wrote the other day for penlive.com about what used to be Comcast Sportsnet in Philly. That was that got a lot of attention, well deservedly. Yeah, it sure did. And uh, let's get it rolling. Let's. Uh... See if we can fix the Phillies bullpen with Chris Wheeler. Wills, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Oh, Wills is muted. Unmute Wheels. Can you do that, guys? Hang on. I got it here if you can't. All right, All right. Wheels, can you hear us? <laughs> yes, a little voice said I'm unmuted. You know, I had, I had people all those years I was on the air wishing they could have done that. So. <laughs> then, then, then Comcast Sportsnet took care of it. <laughs> yes, they did. All right, Wheels, we got you now. Welcome back. And a few days late, happy birthday, Wheels. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that maybe a little later. Uh, Chris, the Phillies are five and seven through 12 games. They certainly let one get away last night with some bad decisions and some dumb play defensively. And with the shortened schedule, the season is now one fifth over already. We'll get to the pitching woes in a bit, but how do you explain what happened defensively in the Tuesday night loss to the Orioles with some bad decisions by Gene Segura and Roman Quinn? That shouldn't happen, Wheels. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, uh, that's one of the things that I think they were doing pretty well this year for, you know, obviously the bullpen's awful and, uh, they don't produce runs the way you wish they could, you know, they, they're a home run hitting team, but defensively they've been pretty good as far as catching the ball and making plays. And, uh, you know, the play on the pop-up was, uh, you know, Hoskins, they, they said, called it all the way. Segura came in playing, he's playing third now and he's used to play in the middle infield and that bound got to him. Uh, in a different area than he's used to. Not an excuse, but that's what happened. Anybody ever played baseball and played the infield has probably tripped over the mound on a pop-up. If they have it, they're lying. Um, 
And as far as the other one goes, you know, that play by Roman Quinn's just awful. You know, you have, you're starting with a new rule, a man on second, nobody out, you're at home, balls hit on the line in front of you. You know, you're not sure if you can catch it. So what you do is you keep it in front of you. The worst you have, the guy's got to be holding. So the worst you have is a first and third with nobody out. Maybe you get a double play, give up a run. And then you get to hit in the bottom of the inning with a runner at second base and nobody out. You know, it's a rule that, uh, you know, I guess he had when he was in the minor leagues and he should know about all that, but that's just, that's un- unexcusable that that goes for a two run inside the park home run. And then you lose by a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, Roman Quinn is a bit of a mystery to me wheels. I, I guess from the organization standpoint, they think the kid's got all the tools. Uh, he can't stay healthy so far, knock on wood. He's one fifth of the season and he's not hurt, but, uh, I struggle to think that that's a major league starting outfielder. Well, you know, I'm, I'm in between on him, Bill, I'll be honest with you. You know, you want to play for so long and he's always hurt and now he's getting a chance to play. He showed some things where he can run the ball down in the alleys, but a lot of, of uh, our game is thinking, what do I do if the ball's hit to me? And you think before, and um, that's not a play that right there that you make on reaction. That's something you've had a thought about. Um, he's played enough in the outfield. He came up as a shortstop. He's played enough in the outfield to know what situation you're in, how many outs there are, and what you have to do there or not do. So I I don't know what to say. I mean, to me, that's the first time he's really really made a horrible, glaring mistake like that. Uh, He can run the ball down because of his unbelievable speed, and they've kept him healthy for the first time in a long time. So uh, for me, as a player, the jury's still kind of out on him because uh, we haven't seen enough of him. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about another guy. Since making that amazing second-half debut in 2017, <laughs> Reese Hoskins has steadily regressed pretty much since then. Yeah, he had two hits last night, but he freaks, he frequently looks lost a bit at the plate. What's going on with him, Chris? Yeah, I'm really disappointed with him and Kangaroo because it looked like, uh, you know, the Phillies had maybe produced a couple of kids out of their minor league system that were going to be everyday big league players and contribute. And um, they're both going the other way. Uh, you know, it started with the, with last year, you know, and Hoskins was unbelievable at the beginning of the year and then struggled. And then now Kingery's in a funk from, you know, last year he came on a little bit. Now he's in a funk the whole season. Uh, for me to tell you what's wrong with him, I have no idea other than the game is the most humbling game ever created and it gets between your ears and sometimes you can't get out of it. I, I've always said the easiest thing in baseball is to watch a player uh, when they're going well and to see how they react and all that. What you really want to know is when they go bad because you're going to go bad in the game, how do you get out of it? Uh, and how do you change your approach so you're able to get out of it? And, uh, to me, the, both of them look like they're off balance when they're hitting. And there's so much of this launch stuff anymore, you know, where guys are trying to hit home runs and, and uh, you know, hit the ball in the air and all that sort of stuff. And Hoskins now, all of a sudden, they're all playing three infielders over on the left side. When he first came up, he could drive the ball to right and right center. He doesn't do that anymore. So those are the two things. They're, they're both very, very disappointing. Uh, I don't think Kingery's playing tonight. I think they're going to start Phil Gosselin against LeBlanc, who's a left-hander. Maybe let him sit around and watch for a while. But, you know, you can't stay with a guy as long this year because you guys just brought up how much of the season's gone already. Yeah, you know, Wheels, we were talking about this last night in the ninth inning when when Hoskins is at the plate. You know, it was kind of a simple philosophy, I guess, as we were coaching, and I was coaching high school baseball, when a kid was struggling a little bit, was that 
act like you have a camera on your front shoulder and you want to keep it straight to the pitcher. Um, mm. He got a pitch instead of taking the, the pitch where the, where it was and driving it the other way, he tries to yank a ball that's above his yep. waist the other direction. You'll never be successful swinging like that. No, you're going to roll over a lot of stuff too. And that's what happens. Uh, left-handed mm-hmm. hitters, right-handed hitters. Um, and you guys and, and the listeners know what I mean when you roll over something. And if you can somehow, and a lot of that comes from the fact that you're not confident in your ability to, to let the ball, they call it deep in the zones, deep in the strike zone. Um, that's something that's been forever. When a hitter's hitting well, the ball looks really big. They see the spin right away. They can wait. And then if the ball pitches away, they can, put it the, they can hit it hard the other way. The pitch is middle in or, or up or all those kind of things that they like, and they can pull the ball. But if you're, if you're struggling and you're, you're jumping at everything and you're antsy up there like those two appear to be, you're going to see a lot of swings and misses and guys rolling stuff over. And that's what you see from both of them. All right, Wheels, we put it off long enough. Uh, the pitching, <laughs> specifically the bullpen. Wheels, I cannot <laughs> tell you how much I cringe when some of these relievers come in. Trevor Kelly and Nick Pavetta have been sent packing. Thank you. Uh, but Austin Davis doesn't belong in the big leagues. Cole Irvin stinks. Tommy Hunter has been awful so far this year. <laughs> Blake Parker is back. whoop the freaking do I can't take it anymore, Wheels. Help me. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I can't, <laughs> you, you laid it out in terms that I probably wouldn't have used at one time, but, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was very accurate. That was very accurate, Chad. Uh, it, it's a mess. And you know, you're in a day and age of bullpens where guys come in and throw BBs and get a lot. One of the problems with the game now is that, um, later in the game, they bring in all these guys, you get all these swings and misses and nothing happens. And that's one of the reasons why people say, well, we've got to get more offense and get into that. Well, with all those swings and misses, you don't. Well, not many people swing and miss at these guys, hmm. if you notice. Oh, yeah, uh, right. they, they put it in play, and I don't know about this launch angle and velocity and all that, but I know what it sounds like when they hit a ball hard. That's what we used to go off. And um, they, they just, they just you know, got guys with these little short arm, side arm study, all trying to fake, you know, to use some deception to get people out. And, and uh, it's not their fault. It's not their fault if they can't succeed in the major leagues because they're not equipped to pitch in the major leagues. Now, is that a shortcoming right now that uh, they took a chance on that maybe they'd have more and maybe some of them got hurt, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, probably. But no, people don't want to hear that. They want to know, why can't Joe bring somebody in that can get somebody out? And, you know, Naris is one of those guys that can do it some nights. And then like a lot of closers, other nights he can't. And last night he sort of did it. And if they catch the pop-up, you know, you, you live to play another inning. So uh, it's awful. And you're not the only one where you go, oh, no. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. uh, you just feel you just feel something bad's coming when, the, when that gate opens. Yeah. And, and Wheels, you know, uh, Matt Clintac taking a lot of heat in town. Uh, Joe Girardi so far getting a little bit of a pass. I, I have some questions about Girardi's pinch hitting uh, lefty righty in the third inning. I, I, that was Kapler esque. Uh, so I, I guess uh, it seems to be a little bit of blame to go around everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think we give Joe Girardi a little extra um, uh, uh, leeway because he's been such a really good 
major league manager for a long time and he's learning his players and trying to do some things. And you do have to do some things a little quicker, maybe now than you want to. And you guys laid it all out because of uh, the urgency in the season. Um, Matchups are very important. They always have been. Nowadays, they really have matchups and all that computerized stuff and all the locations and all the stuff that people can hit and they can't hit. And they get in a situation where maybe you think you can win the game right now, um, even though it's early in the ball game. So I don't quite remember that situation uh, that you're talking about, but I can understand sometimes when you make a move, uh, if a certain pitcher comes in off a certain guy forever, there've been mismatches in the game. And we used to know them when I was doing the games, they used to think, Oh, this is not good. This is not a good matchup right now for the Phillies one way or the other. And I'm sure they have all those matchups in there. And there's, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. They just don't do it out of the, you know, pull it out of the blue. Well, Wills, the starting pitching has been noticeably better than the bullpen, which isn't saying a whole lot, I guess. Um, but Aaron Nola has been terrific his last couple of starts. Jake Arietta had maybe his best start as a fill last Saturday. And your nephew, Zach Wheeler, is doing fine, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I know he's not related to you. You okay with the rotation? Yeah, Zach Wheeler. I, you know, the spring training was so quick this year. I met him early in spring training when I'm going to introduce myself and I told him what my name was, and he laughed. And I said, I just want you to know if people are yelling wheels sometimes, it may not be about you. <laughs> he hey, he laughed. He said, yeah. He said, I heard about you. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh. Let me interrupt you. Speaking of, speaking of spring training, uh, Bill and I were both down there the week of March yeah. 9th and 10th, and we were all set to go to the game on March 13th to say hello to you. And, of course, on the 12th, yep. all hell broke loose, and they canceled everything. Yep. So uh, we didn't get to see you. Uh, I remember when you told me, you know, we we're going to catch up before a game because I'm still hanging around there doing the PA and that yeah. sort of stuff. So, yeah, that was, uh, you know, the whole the whole situation is bigger than all of us, certainly bigger than baseball. And it was something they had to do at the time. But it was very unfortunate uh, to have to shut it down. Uh, they were playing pretty well at the time for spring training. You know, you don't put a whole lot into that. But there are some really big games coming up with crowds. So, like, St. Patty's Day and all some of the other yeah. things that they do so well with. Um, yeah, it hurt. It really did hurt. And at the time you thought, well, maybe we'll get started by May or something like that. And, you know, who would believe how bad it's been? Hey, I just have to throw back to the bullpen for just a second. I had to throw some couple <laughs> stats out here just for the record, Chet. So yeah. in case we have to go back and chase these stats at another time, <laughs> how about – a 10.66 ERA when leading, mm. when leading, okay, 15 earned runs, 23 hits, and five home runs in 12.2 innings. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are they, five and seven? And they could easily be seven and five, uh, no, no, a no-brainer seven and five if some of that stuff, if some of those numbers weren't there. Yeah, well, the, the interesting thing is the Braves have the leading bullpen at 0.56 while the Phils are at 10.66. Well, that's not good. <laughs> no, no. I don't, I, I don't know what I could add to that. Well, speaking right. of uh, pitching wheels, uh, you can guess how I feel these days about Vince Velasquez. Is it time we put him out to pasture and just go with the rookie Spencer Howard? Well, I struggle watching him too. Uh, you know, it's not, it, it's not that you don't have a sample. Sometimes that's my point. Sometimes you have to be careful when you don't have a sample size on a player and you make a, a snap judgment on a guy because you really need to see somebody go 
through a season or two and those kind of things. But in this guy's case, I think we've all seen enough of him. Um, obviously they haven't, they've decided that, uh, um, they decided that he can still contribute, but I, you know, you have a new manager now who has, uh, has his own feelings. He has no stake in the game as far as how they got Vince Velasquez to the, to the big leagues and what his reputation was. And he struck out whatever in 16 that one day or whatever it was. So I think, um, let me put it this way. Sometimes you'll find it when somebody comes in with a clean slate, uh, they're going to have a tendency to have a shorter leash for a guy. Yeah. Hey, Wills, I wanted to ask you about Bryce Harper. Um, to me, he is way better than I thought he was. I mean, I knew he was a great player down in Washington. Uh, I like everything he says. I like every way he acts. Uh, and I love the way he plays hard every day. This kid is only still only 27 years old. Feels like he's been in the big leagues for 15 years. Uh, I, I think once we get back to regular baseball, uh, watching him over the next five years is going to be a lot of fun. Has a chance to be a lot of fun. Amen to that. I, you know, I, I get a kick out of sometimes. Well, he's, he's supposed to do, what do you want him to do? Hit, hit 800? You know, because he's making that kind of money, you know, he can only do so much in the game. The game's really hard. And uh, the thing that his offense has been about what it was supposed to be, the thing that's really impressed me, and I saw him play a lot back in the days when I was still doing games and broadcasting and then as the ambassador and being around and all that, um, his outfield plays outstanding. He yeah. really is playing really, really well in the outfield. He, he you know, he was a, a strange kid in the outfield. He, he would just go so full bore. He was hurting himself early in his career. And I think they probably, you know, try to back him down a little bit and say, you know, you're not an American Legion ball. Now, you know, you can't go jumping over fences and stuff like that to catch balls. And I think maybe he gotten some bad habits. Boy, since he's come over here, he was good last year. And early on this year, he hits the cutoff, man. If he has to make a strong throw, he can make it. Um, he doesn't go sliding after balls that he can't catch, you know, that, uh, then he'll turn into into more extra base hit. You know, keep the ball in front of him. His offense is what it is. Um, he's going to knock in a lot of runs. He's going to walk a lot. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to strike out a lot. But his defense, to me, has been something that I didn't expect it to be as good as it is. Yep, very impressive. Hey, I have one more thing for you, Wheels, uh, and for you too, Bill. I've made a major shift in policy this year. I was actually leaning this way back in the spring, and now I can confirm it. After long being opposed to the designated hitter, I've now had a change of heart. I'm okay with both leagues going with the DH permanently. Are you with me, Wheels? Well, I got to be because it's going to happen. Uh, I don't think there's any – any. Uh, look, I love the game the way that it was. I loved when I was a broadcaster because, you know, you could do more strategy. You could set things up. Uh, you, you could go down your lineup card and see this move for this move, this move, and this move. Uh, now you don't have the strategy that you had before. And I always thought, well, I'll miss that. And I still, I think I'll still miss it. But then you get, you know, it, it, to me, you just, you have to roll with the punches. It's the inevitability of this is what's going to happen right now. They use it all over the minor leagues. Everybody's used to it coming up to the major leagues now. Uh, pitchers don't bunt anymore in the minor leagues. You don't want to bunt up here anyway. They're afraid of them getting hit by a pitch because they don't know <laughs> how to get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, they're not used to it. So, you know, they can't get a bunt down anyway. So why even worry about having the the pitcher up there, you know, trying to do those kind of things. So, yeah, I think when the new, uh, this is going to be one of those things that they're experimenting with this year 
that when the new bargaining, uh, collective bargaining is, is, uh, they get through it next year. I think both the union and the, uh, and management will decide they're going to keep the DH. I agree. Yeah, I think so too. Hey, Wills, uh, before we get run out of time, we want to say happy birthday to you, uh, on, on Sunday. And, uh, I guess you got a round of golf in with a couple of your friends on Saturday. And one of mine and your mutual friends said to say happy birthday to you. And that's at Keith Conlon up there in Happy Valley. Goon said to tell you happy birthday. <laughs> I heard from the goon. He he sent me a nice text the other day. That's uh, uh, he's, he's a wonderful human being. I just been so lucky to become friends with him over the last five, 10 years. And, uh, uh, I always enjoy a company when I get the chance to go up there. This year, of course, there won't be any game, but to go up there and and uh, uh, another friend and I uh, have gone up there a few years and gone up for spring practice and that sort of stuff. And we would get together with Goon on uh, you know one of the one of the nights, and he's just a great guy. He, he yes. just makes me laugh. He makes he's one of those guys when you look at him, you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. He's, he's a good person. Hey, he was a heck of a player too. You know, I'm a fan and uh, yeah. that was some offense. That was a big time offensive line that he was a part of. Uh, and Joe didn't play if you couldn't play. That's right. And he still, he still lets you know every chance he can, that this is the greatest offense in the history of college football. Well, they, they certainly, if it wasn't for the pity party for Tom Osborne that year, they're national champions. That's still a joke. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> That's another show. We'll get you back. And oh, that's wheels. I, I saw you were with our pal Leslie Goodell uh, out on the golf course. <laughs> How is your golf game these days, by the way? Pretty it's decent. You know, I played a lot in Florida. I was down there from January uh, into July. I got back on the 13th. I was down there from about the 7th of January. So for six plus months and I played a lot because especially when the, all the COVID stuff hit, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do. And I was lucky in that our club stayed open there that I belong to. So it's okay. You know, I, I'm competitive. I, I have a good time plan for seven, for 70, 75. I can push it out there enough to have fun. <laughs> hey, I wasn't was going to play with Leslie the other day too. You brought I, Leslie I wasn't up going to the put other that day. 75 in there, wheels. I was leaving that for you. Yeah. Well, you know, Hey, I was 25 when I started with the Phillies. I've been around in 50 years. So yeah, not to, and I, and, and I enjoyed seeing Leslie the other day. She's a great friend and has been for a long time. So Renee and I had her over here to, play at our blue belt country club and uh, it was really great to see her nice awesome all right well hey wheels we are out of time we thank you again for taking the time to come uh crazy year in sports and we're not done yet uh, it, it's it's bizarre you know and i think the big Ten's not going to play this year is very depressing to me yeah. but you know i had tickets for the white out for ohio state and all that and room reservations and everything but you know and yeah, it, it, there's a lot bigger things going on than you and me and uh, sports. You know, we got to get some things straightened out, hopefully in time, and uh, do the right things and and uh, get our world back. Absolutely. All right, Wheels. Well, thanks again. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy, my man. Yeah. Tell Dave Jones I said hi. Will do. Sure will. Okay. All right. Thanks, All right, Chris. Chad. Bill. Great talking. Take care. Right. Hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. 
Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or you know need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And hey, Bill, just a quick note that one of our other sponsors, the Irish Rover House in Langhorn, has all sorts of specials on the menu this week because just like uh, in past years, they are doing something in connection with Shark Week. So they have drink specials like Sharky cocktails and discounted Land Shark beer. Go check them out. And because it is Shark Week, Bill, let's give this a try. You know when that shark bites Well, it's teeth, baby Scarlet billows Start to spread Mack the knife. All right, Bill. There, there you go. Well, hey, Chet, the Flyers begin the chase to the cup tonight. Uh, sure, impressive in the round robin tournament, taking the number one team. See, this team's pretty good, and a lot of it is going to fall on Carter Hart. Just what we've been waiting for for oh, forty years, fifty. Yeah, <laughs> oh, forty-five <laughs> since the last cup. They have some depth, which is great, evident by the fact that they've won three round-robin games convincingly without much offensive production from some of the big names. Giroux still pointless. Uh, they're extremely well-coached and focused. And, oh, yeah, they've got a goalie, as you said, who hasn't you know, even hit birthday number 22 yet. I think he turns 22 next week. So th- they got it all working right now, and I'm excited about this team. Hey, did you, did you say cup? Did you say cup? I did. I like that, Bill. I'm going to come and steal that from you. There you go. Hey, I'll tell you what, Chet. What I like about this team is they've got four lines. Uh, everybody can contribute. Everybody does contribute. The defense has been solid. They're not taking dumb penalties, which has been a, you know, we know been a nightmare in the past. Um, I think this team is ready to go. And, uh, you know, I guess the hype is that, you know, Carey Price can win a series, blah, blah, blah. Well, Carey Price is going to have to win the series because the Flyers are better than the Canadians. And uh, I think as we've, we've given Elaine Vigneault a bunch of props in the past and uh, much deserving. He had these guys coming out of this mini camp ready to go. Yeah, he sure did. And uh, the Flyers are the favorites, of course, to win this series. In fact, according to Vegas, they're the second uh, team in the NHL in terms of best odds to win the Cup, right behind the Avalanche. Colorado 5-1, to one, the Flyers 11-2 odds, which is 5.5-1. to one, And the Lightning and Golden Knights both at 13-2 to two or 6.5-1. to one. Uh, They're not going to get overconfident. They're, that's not going to happen. They're a young team. Like I said, they're focused. And they should take care of this Canadians team. We'll make our predictions later on, but uh, I like their chances. Yeah, what, what about start? Nothing like Stanley Cup playoff, playoff hockey. What about starting it with five overtimes? Oh, my God. Yeah, a lot of overtimes already. And uh, I watched the fifth overtime last night. I'm glad it didn't go any longer because I need my beauty sleep, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I guess uh, in the NHL's preparation, which they tried to prepare for everything in this bubble, um, you know, they didn't prepare for a seven-hour game, forcing them to cancel a game and push it to the next day. Uh, so we got, what, four or five games on that same ice today. Um, yeah. Starting at, a, what, 11 o'clock this morning? A lot of work for the Zamboni guys. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, I'm really excited to talk to our second guest. Uh, David Jones, a sports columnist for Penn Live. He writes a lot about Penn State football and a lot of other 
good articles. I couldn't be more bummed out about the, the decision to shut down college football, as you know. And uh, so with that, David, welcome to Philly Press Box Radio. Tell me everything's going to be okay. Not as bummed out as I am, Chet. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty much what we do. It's our baby. And I grew up in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I've uh, followed Big Ten football and basketball my whole life. And this is, this is very weird. It's going to be, you know, for my wife and my family, it's going to be really strange because I'm probably going to be uh, – well, uh, on Saturdays, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be helping helping my wife with uh, chores, and she's going to go get out of here, will you? <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, my, my wife. My wife gave me when I told her the Big Ten was canceling football in Penn State. She said, "What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what? Well, my wife is not sports astute, and I wouldn't have any other way. Actually, I, I actually like that because. She really doesn't know what's going on and does not care. Um, but yeah, even even she has as she came down with her phone and said, "Is this true?" You know, with a Big Ten cancel season. I said, "Yep, it's, yes. true. it's true." Hey, hey, Dave, this is your first time with us, so I want to formally introduce us. The other guy that you just talked with is actually Bill. I'm Chet, and uh, we've been doing this for six and a quarter years, and it's about time we finally got you on here. And in the first half hour, we had a guy who says he's uh, pretty good friends with you, Chris Wheeler. Chris Wheeler is a uh, Penn State grad. Yep. Um, I had a blast always talking to him uh, about Philly stuff. And, and very frankly, you know, I always kind of wanted to keep the, the Phillies apart from what I did because I was a huge Phillies fan. Mm-hmm. And I would call him if I ever wrote columns about the Phillies because, you know, it's kind of a fine line. That it's kind of a tightrope. You walk there if you, you don't want to cover a team ever if you can help it, that you really root for. And I kind of kept the Phillies apart, and I would call him about stuff. If I had to write about Major League Baseball, I would call Chris and, and kind of get clued in because it's I wanted I wanted as kind of a dead area as a journalist. I only covered the Phillies a, a handful of times, and I wanted it that way. I took my mm-hmm. I took my son to the uh, when he was nine. He's now twenty one. He's home from school from college in Pittsburgh. And when he was nine, I took him to the uh, the Victorino Grand Slam game in CC Sabathia. We were there. We were oh, in, wow. we were in section 324, right on the plexiglass uh, in the first row. I threw some money at some tickets, and lo and behold, we saw one of the, the greatest games of all time. I yeah. mean, I absolutely I'll never forget that. But you don't have too many fan experiences like that when you're when you're a writer. So I kind of hold that aside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the Flyers, Chet. So uh, or Bill or, or <laughs> wait a minute, you're Bill, right? I'm Bill. Okay. I don't know anything about hockey, so you won't have to worry about that. Okay. Uh, well, hey, hey, Dave, talking about Penn State football, how many years did you cover? I, I feel like I've been reading your stuff for 20 years anyway. No, this would have been my 30th season. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. starting in 91. The first two years, uh, Nick Horvath, who was then the sports editor, had me come in and cover Pitt. So I, was, I covered the Paul Hackett teams in 89 and 90 when I first came in uh, from Columbus. I would get done with high school football on, Saturday, on Friday night and then 10 o'clock drive all the way out the turnpike and uh, arrive at the, uh, oh my God, there was this horrible Howard Johnson's where the, the, the heater would come on every five minutes and go, <laughs> and I, 
I would I would arrive at Pitt Stadium bleary, you know, with about four hours of sleep and cover that team. Curtis Martin. Uh, but yeah. then in 91, I started on Penn State. Well, hey, Dave, as we speak here on Wednesday evening, what do we know for sure about the college football season? We know the Big Ten is out. I guess the Pac-12 is out. What about the other conferences and how is this all going to play out? I think they're just kicking the can down the road the best they can. There is the ACC, the Big 12, uh, the ACC and the, and the SEC are all in. I think the Big 12 is a little bit split, but they're probably going to be in too. They're, they're just going to be foraging on as long as they can before it all falls apart, I think, if, if and when it all falls apart. Uh, the issue that nobody's talking about that, that really dismantled it for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and I think eventually for everybody, is liability. Uh, people don't know that students and their families are liable for any long-term health care. So if, if, there, there is a, if COVID attacks the heart or the lungs as it did the kid in Indiana whose mother made the, the, you know, the heart-wrenching post a few days ago, uh, any long-term damage, that's on the parents. That's on their health insurance. And there, you know, I, I think you guys have seen the releases, the, the waivers, the personal waivers that these kids are being asked to sign. Uh, th- that looks like it where they're trying to absolve the schools of all responsibility for any COVID related long term illness or sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the difference between college athletics and professionals. The college kids don't have any collective bargaining unit. They don't have a union and they're being asked to put their health on the line, not only their health, but maybe their future income, if they're really good, if they can go, go play in the pros and any sort of long-term health care, they're liable for it right now. That has not been resolved. And until it's resolved, I don't know, the presidents of these universities don't want to take it on. Um, I don't see how it can be resolved if they're not willing to make some sort of stipulation. So, you know, that's really what's going on here. Well, if, they, if this plays out two scenarios, I guess, one is if they actually try to play it in the spring, there's that scenario. Um, what about the NFL and how's that the draft and how's that all going to play into that for these kids that, uh, they're, they're losing their opportunity. This happens last year. There is no Joe Burrow. You know, Joe Burrow made all of his, his things happen this past season. Uh, what happens to these kids? You mean what happens if they play in the spring? If, if college well, or, or if they don't. I mean, if there is no – if there's no football till next year and the NFL says, well, we're still going to have a draft and we're going to do it in – June or wherever they decide. They'll have the draft. I mean, the kids who are good enough, the NFL knows they're good enough. They're not missing any opportunities. Um, My nephew was the quarterback at Maryland. He just opted out. If he wanted, if he had had a little better luck, I mean, he threw for 20 touchdowns and 3,000 yards as a freshman at Virginia Tech. Um, He had difficulties with Justin Fuente and the uh, administration there. He decided to get out. He ended up at Maryland. awful offensive line he's not terribly mobile he needed a good offensive line had he had better luck at this point he would have just started training for the nfl and preparing for the draft he would have gotten a personal trainer he would have um 
prepared to go through draft camps and, and do all that. That's what these guys are going to do. And if you're good enough, they know you're good enough. You, you, can, you can play, and th- that's what they'll do. Uh, the problem is the revenue for all these universities who uh, a lot of them, Penn State, Penn State clears 50, 60 million alone on football before their $53 million chunk of the Big Ten TV deal, which they get every year. Uh, it's a lot of money, man. The TV money, um, the gate, it's, it's just a ton of money. Uh, you're talking about nine figures. And those funds support all of their giant athletic departments, which have grown and grown and grown and grown over, over the years. Now you've got employees. I wrote a, a column a, a couple of weeks ago about how these athletic departments have grown because they have the money to throw around. Well, now they don't. Are they just going to fire people? Are they going to try to get a bridge loan to get them through? Those, those are the questions. And how much money can you get out of a spring football season? We don't know. I mean, if you do it March to May, you get it within the fiscal year, which ends June 30th. Will they try it? Uh, if you do that, then what about players who are sophomores? You're going to put them through two different seasons? You can't play more than seven or eight games, I don't think, if you do that and then play more than seven or eight games in the fall. They're playing two seasons in one calendar year and less than that. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I think they'd have to, to vastly shorten both seasons if they wanted to pull that off, but I don't see them not looking at it. They're going to look at it, believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't blame Micah Parsons and some of the other guys who've decided to opt out. I think it's you know the right decision yeah. for a lot of guys. But let's switch it up, Dave. On Sunday, we saw your terrific column on the folks who worked for what used to be Comcast Sportsnet in Philly, mm-hmm. including some of our favorite people, Leslie Goodell, Neil Hartman, D. Lynham, Michael Barkan. I was reading the piece without realizing right away who wrote it for Penn Live, and then I saw your name, and I said, oh, yeah, I remember Dave Jones was a <laughs> frequent guest on Daily News Live, and that so guy. I decided to reach out to you on Monday. You decided to come on the show with us. Thank you for that. I'll tell you, DNL was a, a daily staple for me. I would DVR it all the time and watch it. What are your memories of your many visits to the set? Well, I it was the, the reason it was funny is that it, it was a place where broadcast and print people mixed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we run into each other at games and we talk to each other at games, but we don't really mix at games. We're kind of separate entities. This was a place where the two fraternity sororities kind of met and we really got along there. Uh, most of the time there were there were little spats and there were little arguments. But what I remember about going into Sportsnet was what a happy shop it was. Uh, you're talking about, uh, I started going there in 98. We moved to Downingtown um, from York County in 1998. So I was in, in the area and I could do it and they paid to have me on. So I would, I would go. And from 98 through about, I think the last time I was there was 2017. Um, I would say from 98 to about 06, 07, I was a semi-regular on there. Mm-hmm. And I was always happy to go there. And, you know, it's kind of a pain in the ass to get all the way around the city from the western suburbs sometimes you ran into traffic but hell man i went through hurricane you remember hurricane floyd in 99 the drought buster that came up and dumped like eight i drove in the middle of that with our power out to get to the show because i i really enjoyed doing the show they were counting on me and it felt like a, a real fraternity or like a fraternal kind of 
a group and I, I love doing the show. I love going there and I really made some friendships. We, we, we met Leslie uh, out in the Rocky mountains and met a, a mutual friend. Uh, well, I'd never known this a, a friend of hers uh, that she made when she was at her first TV station in Pocatello, Idaho. And we vacationed <laughs> with Leslie a couple of years ago with the, these wonderful people, uh, Carolyn Farre and her, her, her husband, Brett. And we, we had a wonderful time for a couple of days out there in Idaho. That, well, that that only happened really because you know Leslie used to babysit my son when she was <laughs> when he was three or four. Oh wow! I mean, yeah, I put it in the story. Yeah, I mean, she got she got crayon. She didn't even have any kids of her own yet. That's right. Yeah, I mean, she 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 didn't have Kendall or Chase yet, and uh, she got crayons just for Nick, and she would write her <laughs> scripts for Sports Night, and Nick would color at her desk <laughs> because he got bored with going in the studio. He was a really good kid in the studio. He would just sit there with his Cheetos. When he was about two and a half, I started taking him in the studio. I said, oh, you just sit right there, sit right there and be really quiet. And I'm just going to be right here. And I'd go up on the set and he'd see me and he would he would be like, OK, as long as you're not going anywhere, he'd be very quiet. And uh, it, it, it was it was a family atmosphere. It was a great place for a while. And then NBC kind of yeah. came in and you know the story. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, it, it as great an article as it was, it was sad on the other mm -hmm. hand because yeah. it's not, we're never going to see it again. And I guess you've been around a long time doing this. The industry has changed so much. And uh, where does it go from here? Well, as Leslie said in the story, they had to pivot. They had to do something. But you know, corporate people, sometimes they, they kind of cast about for ideas. They're not on the ground floor of the operation. They don't have any leather on the street. And they really don't know what they're talking about, but they keep coming up with ideas. <laughs> and that, that kind of is what, if, if you're not lucky with the management in your own place, or if that management in your own place has been disabled and replaced by a remote management, I mean, you're screwed in this day and age. It's really a bad place to be, and that's where they are. I, I don't see any. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel for that operation until uh, there's a complete change in management, and who knows if that will ever happen. Well, Dave, the latest layoffs, including Derek Gunn and Greg Murphy, it's in large part a cost-cutting move, but it's also a decision now to eliminate most of the sideline reporters in Philly and elsewhere. Yeah. I'm no expert, but I think that's a horrible decision. I mean, why would you do that? Well, a buddy of mine who's a really bright guy who could could have worked anywhere, but he chose to stay stay in state college. His name is Mark Brennan, and he writes uh, he he pretty much crafts all of uh, Fight on State, which is a uh, it's aligned with CBS now. He's been uh, under a lot of different he's been under some bad management uh, himself, including the guys who are now ruining Sports Illustrated that Maven operation. Who, whom he despises, he commented on the story and he said, you know, if, if, he loved Daily News Live and he was in State College, just 200 miles away. And he said, if, if, if I were NBC Universal, you know, you got to treat that show as a loss leader. Is it getting great ratings? No, but nothing there is getting great ratings. Treated, treat shows like that as loss leaders to boost interest in your major franchises, which are what? They're Sixers programming. They're Flyers programming. They're Phillies programming. They own the rights to those shows. So, so you know, you, you can't treat it as simply a raw ratings show. It's never going to be that. But use it, which 
which Sportsnet did in the old days to juice interest in in your main franchises, which is all all that game uh, action and pre and post game shows. Uh, that that makes sense to me. It doesn't apparently make sense to the current management. <laughs> well, Dave, on our way out, um, where can people find you? You have social media platforms and all that besides your pen live, obviously. Uh, other places people can read your work? Facebook is my favorite. Uh, they should friend me on Facebook because uh, that's where I choose to interact with people the most. Um, Twitter, my handle is djoneshoop. H-O-O-P. Uh, I don't hang out there and converse as much because I don't, I, I just don't think it's a very civil atmosphere a lot of times. So <laughs> Facebook is the best way to argue and debate and talk about things that I've written. And, that, and that's uh, David Jones. Just look up David Jones. Yeah. Well, it's, if you put my name and pen live in there, that it, it'll, it'll pop up. Yeah. Okay. E-N-N-L-I-V-E. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you taking the time to join hey, us guys. on our first yeah. ever uh, visit, and hopefully we can do it again, and hopefully we can play football, for God's sake. Well, maybe in March, buddy. Maybe in March. <laughs> we'll see. We'll take it. <laughs> All, All right, dude. Thanks again, my friend. See you guys. See ya. All right. Hey, Chad, let's take a quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. They've changed some things up. They have the very popular mystery boxes and razzes with just 11 lines. So chances of winning are 1 in 11. They also recently, just this week, Chet, opened up a store. So you have the PPCC 118 Raz Shop. So you can buy straight up items. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Well, hey, Bill, not only did Chris Wheeler celebrate a birthday this week, but uh, this guy celebrated birthday number 66 yesterday. He's a Brit. He had hits with songs like Look Sharp and Steppin' Out. And most notably, this one. It's Joe Jackson. Is she really going I saw Joe Jackson a couple of times. He's great. There you go. And hey, Chad, we mentioned, uh, or I wanted to mention to you, I don't know if you saw this. This was a late uh, late news thing that I saw. Trini Lopez passed away today. <laughs> I know he's got to be one of your favorites. Well, you know, I totally forgot that he was even a thing until I heard that he passed away. But I do remember the name. And in the mid-60s, he was actually pretty popular. We know he had that one big song, If I Had a Hammer, I'd Hammer yeah. in the Evening, you know, that one. I think uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary did it also. But, he, yeah, he had a couple of hits, and he did well for himself in the mid-60s and then kind of went into obscurity, at least as far as I know. But uh, he's gone. May he rest in peace. He was probably counting his money from I Had a Hammer. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> All right. Hey, great guests again tonight, Chad and Wheels and David Jones. Uh, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week for show number 301? Well, next week, Bill, we'll be doing the show, by the way, Tuesday evening, the 18th, and we'll be talking Flyers hockey and Phillies baseball. And the Flyers actually have a game Tuesday at 3 o'clock. And because of that, 
uh, we're going to hopefully have some sort of a post game show, unless it's like a triple overtime game. Hope not. And you know, if all goes well, they will have just swept the Canadians because that would be game four. If not, we'll talk about where the series stands going into game five. And they're playing back to backs Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm guessing the Wednesday game will be at night since they're playing, uh, you know, Tuesday afternoon, they'll give them a little more of a break, but we don't know who the guest is going to be yet, but I will have someone on to talk hockey for sure next week. I have a couple of options out there waiting to hear back from one. And if that one doesn't pan out, I'll get another one tomorrow for next Tuesday evening. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's talk Sixers. We got to fit that in here. Uh, I didn't think much of their chances of, to begin with. And now they're injured on top of it. Simmons out and B, he's, he's they ought to nickname him Charmin. He's soft as <laughs> tissue paper. There are only two games left before the playoffs, Chet. Put a fork in that team. Well, they're playing one of them right now. I don't know what the score is, but they're playing Toronto right now. They have Houston, I believe, on Friday. The big injury, of course, is Ben Simmons. He's got a serious problem with his kneecap that required surgery, and he's not going to be back unless they somehow make a deep playoff run, and yeah, I agree. That's not going to happen. Now, the good news, Joel Embiid, who twisted his ankle or something on Sunday and uh, only played a little bit of that game, he sat out on Tuesday. He is in the lineup this evening. Not sure how he's doing, but he's playing and he may not play Friday. I don't know, but he is healthy and he'll be ready for the playoffs. He should be good to go. Uh, and unless I'm mistaken, the other guys who sat out on Tuesday will also all be fine. But let, let's be blunt, Bill. Whether the Sixers play the Celtics or the Heat in the opening round series, they're very likely going to be underdogs. And it could be a situation where they're one and done in terms of the playoffs this year. And if that's the case, Brett Brown is going to be done too. We know that. Yeah, well, he might get a pass again with these injuries. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they've seen enough. I think he's got enough of a resume where they know that, you know, even when he's got a reasonably full lineup, they're just not playing as well as they should. So, yeah, Brett's days may be numbered. Well, I can tell you, Sharman right now at halftime has five points and nine assists and or nine rebounds, and the Sixers are up seven at the moment. At there halftime. you go. <laughs> well, 29 seconds to last time. Okay. You know, this game, the Friday game with Houston, don't matter a whole lot. The Sixers are going to either be the fifth or sixth seed. They'll play either Boston or Miami. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a short August postseason, I think, for the Sixers. Well, I think what we might do, Chet, we might have a, we'll, we'll call it the Chesco Batalica show when the first playoff game that Charmin lays out and doesn't play, we're going to have a special. We're just going to have you come on and explode and see if your head blows up like Ricky B's. Yeah. I'll tell you, with the Phillies bullpen, <laughs> I'm getting to be a little like Ricky Bo. I just really can't. Remember the movie Network in 1976? I almost pulled a Howard Beale last night. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's how I feel when the Phillies bullpen is on. And, yeah, that's kind of how you feel about Joel Embiid, I know. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I want to throw one off the charts, nothing to do with basketball, but there was a stat I wanted to throw out at you, Chet, because you know sometimes I like stat, stats. Yeah. Charlie Blackman, okay, of the Colorado Rockies, yes, is hitting 500 at the moment, 34 of 68. That's a lot of at-bats to be hitting 500, 34 wow. of 68. The St. Louis Cardinals, as a team, have 34 hits. <laughs> uh, 34 for 157. Hitting 216. Charlie Blackman has as many hits as the entire St. Louis Cardinals team. 
That's pretty amazing. And of course, the Cardinals are, you know, idle because of the COVID-19 situation there. But yeah, I was thinking about that. What if a guy does hit 450 or 470 in this shortened season? He's going to be the batting champ and he's going to go down as the first 400 hitter, I guess, since uh, Ted Williams. Uh, I guess you might need to put an asterisk there, but uh, it's going to be kind of weird if you do see somebody hit 460 or whatever for this 60 game season. Yeah, well, you know, there's a there's a minimum at bats to win a batting title in the regular, you know, regular. Yeah, baseball. it's like three point two at plate appearances per right. game. So that's why they came up with like five hundred and two plate appearances. So I mean, Charlie Blackman, I would think, would have a shot at that, right? Right, right. Going to be interesting. A lot yeah. of a lot of new rules. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how they gave up two runs last night and only one counted because there was a guy on second. I, I, I can't get all that. Well, it counted. It just wasn't an earned run. It's it's weird. but uh, Right, right. Well, hey, Chet, we modified, updated that Philly Press Box Radio website. You can watch our podcasts on there, our Vimeos, current Philly sports events, articles we write. And that YouTube channel is rolling. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've picked up a few more subscribers on our YouTube channel, but let's keep it going. All the shows that we've done since uh, doing the Zoom thing, I guess in late April, are now on there. And some various other stuff as well. Go to YouTube and subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio. And don't forget, if you want to buy one of these T-shirts like I'm wearing right here, we still have some of those available, mostly, I guess, in red and a few in green. Uh, hit us up on Facebook or our Philly Press Box Radio website, and we'll take care of you. So just let Bill or me know, and we'll get one out to you for 10 bucks, 12 bucks if it's dry fit. Yeah, we do have some black ones, and we still have some gray ones. Gray and green, gray and red. We we got yeah, we've got a pretty good assortment left still. All right, let's sell them. All right, hey Chet, um, we're getting down to the end here. We're gonna get to our parting shots. I know we want to talk about our 300 show, and uh, so I'm gonna turn that over to you and let you go with that, and then I'll, I'll just chime in with you. All right. Yeah, as we noted at the top, everybody, this is something of a milestone show for us. We began doing our Philly Press Box radio show on April 30th, 2014. Coincidentally, it was the night of an important Flyers playoff game, a game seven that they unfortunately lost to the New York Rangers. Well, Bill and I didn't really know each other all that well yet when we started. We had done a couple of other uh, podcast things with someone else. But we decided to, you know, go out on our own. And so we started doing that in April of 2014. Uh, it was tough to get guests early on. So we therefore were guestless once every fifth or sixth show. It was just Bill and I talking sports. But we slowly built up a little group of core listeners, then a bigger group. And we were able to get some bigger name guests and to do the show pretty much every single week. We had a one-year anniversary, a two-year anniversary, a 100th show, a 200th show. We had a three and a four and a five-year anniversary. And this year, a sixth-year anniversary show. And now this week, show number 300. Not only do Bill and I enjoy it, but we've been really fortunate to have a slew of terrific guests who've come back with us multiple times. Double-digit visits, in fact, by folks like Kevin Riley, Mark Echo, Brandon Lee Gowton, Tom Moore, Mike Sealski, D. Lynham, and the amazing Ray Didinger, and Chris Wheeler joined the 10 Timers Club tonight. We've recently teamed up with the guys at Edge of Philly Sports, Freddie Burns, our old buddy, plus Al Zafiri and Joey Sheeran. And we'll be doing more stuff with them once life gets back to semi-normal. So we thank all of those amazing folks, the guests, the guys at Edge of Philly, our sponsors, of course. 
Um, and everyone else who's watched us or listened to us over the course of these 300 shows. And we really do appreciate the folks who have stuck with us for this whole time. We've had some ups and downs with technical stuff. And, you know, I think we had like two guests who were no shows and over six and a quarter years. That's not bad. So thank you to everybody, especially, like I said, the long time listeners and now viewers, you know who you are. So 300 down. And if all goes well, we'll have a few hundred more. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast. It really has. And, you know, when we started out those first couple of years, uh, we didn't always do every week. We, you know, we'd miss a couple here and, you know, take a vacation and do whatever. And, you know, but it became it became more of a routine and, and people seemed to enjoy it. So uh, now we're basically we're a 52 week deal and uh, we just adjust schedules and uh, we make things happen. And hopefully, uh, you know, the, the, the listeners and watchers, and viewers now. Uh, enjoy it as much as we do because it's been a been a lot of fun and uh, we've gone like I said we went from a little blog talk radio little uh, weekly show um, to now we're Facebook Live we're technology we're trying to do things and YouTube and who knew Jet six and a quarter years ago and even in March through July of this year we managed to put together a whole lot of great shows with some great guests while there were no live sports to talk about so uh, that was fun but thank goodness now we do have pretty much all the sports in action or very soon to be in action in the case of Eagles football so we got plenty to talk about the next few months that's for sure absolutely well again uh appreciate everybody being part of it the guests and and most importantly the listeners and viewers that uh Without you, we wouldn't we wouldn't need to do this. So we certainly appreciate that. Last thing, Flyers Canadians getting underway very shortly. What's your prediction for the series, Bill? Flyers in five. I agree. Flyers in five. So next Wednesday they'll be wrapping it up with game five. And uh go Flyers. Big hazy. Bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah. We already got it here. I got it already ready to go. Let's do it. Anytime, anywhere. Go Flyers. All right. With that, uh, let's wrap it up. Thank our special guests, Chris Wheeler, David Jones, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, as well as our substitute producer, Chris Furman, on the controls tonight for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Tuesday night, August 18th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and all them other podcasts. So high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and let's go Flyers.